you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app where you can also submit a prayer request. Pastor is finishing up on vision today. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In this series, Pastor is encouraging us to write down our vision, create a vision board, something that we can look at day and night and pray over and to give ourselves direction. Every day that you see that vision and take time to thank God and give Him glory, that it will come to pass as you're growing in faith. Let's take a look at today's message, Strong in Faith. Today, let's begin in Habakkuk, which is back in the Old Testament, the original Jewish scriptures, and uh, chapter two in verse one. It says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts, and I will look to see what he will say to me. Uh, I love this. I'm actually trying to get to the second verse, but I love how he starts out. He said, I will look to see what he will say to me. You know, people are looking to know what is God saying in these last days. Now, he says, I'm going to look to see what he's going to say to me. I, I want to tell you where God's going to talk to you. It's in your Bible. If you're wondering, where am I going to find out what God's will is for me with the days that we're living in, it's right here. It's in the Word of God. He says, I'm going to look to see. So many of us, we're, we're looking for a vision or somebody to come and prophesy to us and tell us what we're supposed to do. But the place we're going to find God's will is in his word because his word is his will. And he says that I may answer and that, that answer I am to give to this complaint. Uh, when it comes to life situations, the answer that we need to have is what God says about whatever that particular subject is. In fact, something is not right because you think it's right or because I think it's right. And it's not wrong because you think it's wrong or I think it's wrong. It's right because God says it's right. And it's wrong because God says it's wrong. It's just that simple. And I know you don't like that. I know that. But how many of you parents remember the day when you just said to your kids, they said, why? And you said, because I said so. I remember that day. You know, God actually does that. You know, he says, do this. And then he just says, I am the Lord. In other words, I'm God. I said it. Do it. Just do it. And of course, God is the creator. And it is the creator who understands the purpose for every item. And God is our creator and he understands our purpose. Verse two. Then the Lord answered and said to me, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Now, notice it says, write the vision. So often we get something that, that we consider to be a desire, a vision, a place that we want to go. But there really isn't something called tenacity or stick to in it. In fact, Jesus in Mark 11, in verse 24, he says, what things soever you desire when you pray. He said, now believe you receive them and you shall have them. Now, most people, if you were to ask them, what did you pray for two weeks ago? They couldn't tell you. Because it was just a whim. 
It wasn't really a desire. It wasn't something that was burning down on the inside of them. It was just something that, well, yeah, this would be nice. And when it, when it comes to prayer, it needs to be a desire. When it comes to vision, it needs to be a desire. Now, here's one of the things about vision and writing it down, I, I think that really has helped me. And as I mentioned last week, I've got a vision board in our house. On one side of the vision board, I've got personal stuff. And on the other side of the vision board, I've got all the ministry and the church stuff. I, I don't know if when some, those of you who are here, if you noticed last week when it was up on there, up on the screen, on the bottom right-hand side, there's a picture. And on that picture, there's a black person, there's a brown person, there's a yellow person, there's a white person. And you say, why do you have that there? Because the Bible says this in Revelation chapter seven in verse nine. It talks about who's going to be in heaven. And it says they're going to come from every nation. They're going to come from every tribe. They're going to come from every people. And they're going to come from every tongue or every language. In fact, that word nation, it's the Greek word ethnos. How many of you know what we get from that word? Ethnicity. How many of you realize when you get to heaven, it's not going to be all white or all black or all brown. It's going to be every color. And how many know that's exactly what the church should look like? That's what the church should look like. It shouldn't be one color. So I'm I get in front of my vision board and I'm praying every day. I don't want a white church. Hello. And you don't want to belong in a white church or, or just a black church or just a brown church. We want a church that represents heaven. And heaven is not just all one ethnicity. Right? So you write it down. And you know what? That picture, it's every day I stand in front of it. So every day I see that. I don't forget about it ever because it's there every day. Every day. I used to just have it written down, but I went, oh, that's, I need a picture. I can see it. So you write it. And what it does when you write it down or when you put it up in front of you where you're going to look at it every day, it reminds you every day. And every day you're praying about it. Every day you're believing God, and every day you're saying, God, what can we do to make this come to pass? It says, make it plain. Right? Make it plain. Write it down where it's measurable. Put a timetable on it, right, if you can. Um, uh, I mentioned last week, you know, I weighed 220 pounds, and, and so my vision is to weigh 190. By the way, I'm, I am now at 203. We're on our way. On our way. No, we're not there. Right? We're not there, but we're getting there. All right? We're getting there. But, but I've got something that's measurable. I got a time frame on it. Now, I'm not telling you in case I don't quite make it. But how many of you know the, 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 the sad thing is not that you don't have a goal or a vision. The, the, the sad thing isn't that you, you have it and you don't make it. The sad thing is that you never had anything that you were shooting for to start with. That's the sad thing. So he may run who reads it. Now, that's talking about you, but that's talking about others. You know, we lose our focus when we don't see something again and again and again. We got to keep on seeing it, keep on seeing it. In great visions, they never take just one person. A great vision, it needs more than one person. He said that they, that read it, may run. Not just one person. For the vision is yet for the appointed time, but at the end it will speak, it will not lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. 
Again, God puts things in our heart that don't take place in a week or in a month or in a year. David is 14 years old when he is anointed to become king of Israel. Next day, he goes back and he's taking care of sheep. It didn't come to pass in a day. In fact, he did not become king of Israel until he was 37 and a half years old. It took over 20 years to even get to the place where he began to fulfill what God had put in his heart. And the same thing is true with some of us. God puts something in our heart and it doesn't come to pass in three weeks. We're like, what's wrong? We're so used to everything being instant. I can't, I can't wait for Jeannie to, to cook my, my beyond, what is it, beyond beef burger or whatever it is, it's veggie burger. I can't wait for Jeannie to cook it, make it. No, we gotta have it now. And that's the way we are so often, even when it comes to the things of life. In verse four, it says, behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. And by the way, the proud, there is actually a mention of the Antichrist, but it says, but the just, shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You know, it takes faith to fulfill the vision that God has for your life. The Bible says in Romans 1, verse 17, from faith to faith. In other words, the faith that we have when we start our life, when we start our Christian life, when we begin to pursue the things that God has put on and on our hearts is not enough to take us to the end. You can't just, hey, I've got faith and that's enough and it's gonna take me all the way. No, you need to go from faith to faith. Our faith needs to keep on growing to fulfill all that God has put on the inside of us. From faith to faith. Where there is no vision, Proverbs 29, 18, the people perish. Another translation says the people run wild. You just go in any direction when you don't have vision. The ESV says the people cast off restraint. What vision does is it focuses you. It gives you restraint. And people are looking, listen, people are looking for something to give their life to. Something to give our life to. That's why we have to spend time with God and get that vision on the inside of us. We mentioned last week, God comes to Abraham. You find this in Genesis chapter 12 and says, I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna make you great, I'm gonna make you a great nation, your name's gonna become great, and then gives him a prophecy that the Messiah is gonna come through his lintage. And at that time, Abraham's about 75 years old, has no children. Time passes, and in Genesis 15 and verse five, the Lord brought him outside and said to him, now look towards the heaven, count the stars, if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And then in the 22nd chapter, he takes him again and says, look outside on this ground. Now, he's living in a desert. How many know what's in a desert? Lots of sand. And he says, look at the sand. He says, and so shall your descendants be. So God gave Abraham a picture where every day he would see the sand and be reminded, so will my descendants be. Every night he'd look up, he'd see the stars, and he'd say, so shall my descendants be. God gave him a picture that he could see because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So every day he would see that and he would see it. Now, it's, it's in uh, Romans chapter four and the 20th verse. 
In the ESV, it says this, that, that he didn't consider all of those things, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. So in other words, in the beginning, Abraham was not strong in his faith concerning the promise that God gave him, but he grew strong in faith. You know, the, when, when God first puts something on the inside of you, you may not be strong in faith, but if you'll do what Abraham did, you can become strong in faith. Every day he's seeing it, and every day he's thanking God. He's giving glory to God. He says, God, I thank you that you are able, that you're gonna bring this to pass, and it is going to happen. I'm gonna see it, I'm gonna see it. Every day, he's giving glory to God. Every day, he's thanking God. And the Bible says the result of that was he grew strong in faith. We've got to see that thing on the inside. And again, that's where I like to have a board where I put things up and I see them. In 2 Corinthians 3.16, it says, but we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Now, what's happening? We're seeing it. We're seeing it. And as we see it, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. What is that saying? We're becoming more and more like Jesus, just as the Bible says, by the Spirit of the Lord. You know, we've got to, we've got to see it. You gotta get it on the inside. You've gotta write it down. And if you can, picture that thing. Again, Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire. Right? You, you, you've got to have it. You've gotta write it down. You say, I wanna pay off my debts. You know, if you want to get a new lawnmower, take a vacation, write a book, get a new car or refrigerator, uh, have, get down to your ideal weight. Uh, you, you've got to have that vision. You've got to write it down. You've got to see it. You've got to begin to give glory to God. You've got to begin to thank God. The things that, you, that God puts in your heart, write them down and pray over them. A little boy in the sixth grade named Steve came from a low-income family, wearing hand-me-down clothing, suffering from a stuttering problem, was sitting in a class listening to his teacher as she gave them a new assignment. She asked the class to write down what they wanted to be when they grew up. Steve had seen a man on television who was very funny, and that became his dream. He decided he wanted to be on television and make people laugh. The teacher began calling out students' names and sharing with the class what they'd written down. When she came to Stevie's paper, she stopped. Little Stevie, she said, come up in front of the class. Proudly, Stevie walked up in front of the class, thinking she was going to encourage him and cheer him on. Stevie, she said, did, what did you write on your paper? He said, I wrote it down because I wanted to be on television and make people laugh. She, the teacher said, who do you know on television? Anybody in school ever been on television? He said, no, ma'am. Has anyone in your family ever been on television, she asked. No, ma'am. The teacher told him to take his paper and go down and write something more realistic. He was confused because up until that moment, no one had ever told him what he could and could not become. That very night, Stevie shared with his father what had happened in school, showing him the paper where he wrote down his dream. His father advised him to take his paper and read it every morning and every night before he went to bed and to thank God that one day he would be on television. Year after year, that's what he did. Today, Steve Harvey is on television every day making people laugh. 
The tragedy of life does not lie in not reaching our goals. The tragedy lies in not having any goals to reach. It's not a calamity to die with dreams unfulfilled, but it is a calamity to not have any dreams even to begin with. So I realize that when we have a dream, we're going against the current. But how many of you know a dead salmon can go downstream? Anybody can go with the flow. So, so write something down. Take five, a 10 at the most. Something you can focus on, something you can pray about, something that, that's specific. Yeah, say, 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 you know, I want to run a 10K. I want to save a certain amount of money. I want to enroll in college. Now, something realistic, not save $100,000 by the 20th of October. You know, that is probably not very realistic. Something that you can move towards. And, and the same thing is true when it comes to the word of God. Proverbs 4 says this, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. He's saying, You've got to, you, you have got to keep these in the midst of your heart. You've got to not let them depart before your eyes in order for it to produce fruit. Now, when David is 17, we all know the story. He goes and he kills Goliath. The Bible says that he takes Goliath's sword and he cuts Goliath's head off. Now, to me, that is really a picture of what God wants to do. God wants to take what the devil means to destroy you and he wants you to use that very thing to, 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 to defeat and destroy the works of the, of the enemy. So, so the Bible says that then David went back and he took the armor and he took those things and he put it in his tent. But then he took David's head. Now, those of you that have been to, to Israel with us, you know this all happened in the Valley of Elah. You can go there today and they're growing crops in the valley, but we can look and see this is where the hill the Philistines were. This is the hill that, that the Israelites were on. This is the creek that David went down and gathered some stones from. Several times I've gone down to the creek and grabbed a few rocks, but I found out later people have been doing that for centuries and they actually put more rocks in all the time. So this was, this was not like one of the original rocks, all right? So, so David, he takes the armor, and he puts it in his tent. And he's in the Valley of Elah, but it says he takes the head of Goliath. Now, this is pretty gory. And he goes to Jerusalem. Now, I, I haven't walked it, but I've been it on a bus. I think it's close to 20 miles. Maybe it's only 10. Let's just say it's just 10 miles from the Valley of Elah up to Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem are the Jebusites. They live in the stronghold in Jebus, which later becomes Jerusalem. They are a pagan people that worship pagan gods who are in God's territory where they're not supposed to be. Now, he just killed a giant who was in the land of Israel where he wasn't supposed to be, and he takes that head and he goes to Jerusalem. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what he did, but I'm going to tell you what I think he did. I think he went and he stood outside those walls and he yelled and he said, hey, you see this guy? He was where he wasn't supposed to be. And you are where you're not supposed to be. And I'm giving you an opportunity now 
to get out because the day is coming. If you don't get out, I'm going to kick you out. Now, time passes. And by the way, he's been a shepherd. He's been a shepherd in Bethlehem, not even three miles from Jerusalem. That city is walled. And when you go there, one of the things that you'll see is you'll see the, the pool of Gihon. Right outside the wall is this pool. David would have taken his sheep there and watered his sheep. And apparently he jumped in, took a swim, because there is a tunnel that goes from that pool inside the city. And I'm not sure exactly how long it is. I think it's about 100 feet. And then there's a shaft that's called Warren's Shaft. Now, recently, 35 years ago, a group of professional climbers went in and climbed it. It took them about five hours to climb up Warren's Shaft. Past 20, 20 years, David becomes king of Israel. The first thing that he does, the very first, is he takes his army and he goes to Jerusalem. And he says, whoever goes in by the water shaft, in other words, you jump in the pool of Gihon, you swim underwater, you come up at the bottom of that shaft, then you climb up the shaft, now, by the way, they had to do it with their swords and their armor. And he says, whoever does that will become the captain of the army. And of course, Joab did it. Joab did it. But do you know when he was 17, he had a vision that when he came, became king of all of Israel, because he'd been anointed king, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take that city of Jerusalem and I'm going to take those, those, those Jebusites that are there that shouldn't be there, and I'm going to kick them out. But that thing stayed alive on the inside of him for a minimum of 20 years. It was alive on the inside. He says sometimes the vision that we have, it doesn't take place immediately. But realize this, you will always ultimately move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. Elijah has actually gone to the King Ahab and said, there'll be no rain or dew these years until I say so. For three and a half years, there's not a bit of rain. There's not a bit of dew. There's this terrible, terrible famine. People are starving. And finally, God tells the prophet, go and show yourself to Ahab and make a contest. Go to Mount Carmel. Let all the false prophets have an ox. Let them kill it. Put it on the altar, but add no fire. You take your ox, put it on the altar, add no fire. And the God who answers by fire, he's God. He said to all those false prophets, 450 prophets of Baal, he said, you go first. He says, you're so many. So they, they start praying and they're shouting and they're dancing and the Bible says they're cutting themselves. But nobody answers. And <laughs> the, the prophet, he, he must have, like, I don't know, he had a sense of humor. He said, you know, uh, shout a little louder. Uh, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's on vacation. And he actually said, if, you, if you'll get a, a good translation, he actually said, uh, maybe he's in the restroom. <laughs> and mocking him. And then, of course, he prays. Fire falls from heaven. Now, he has prophesied that it will not rain for three and a half years. It doesn't rain. 
He hides by the brook cherub every morning, every evening. The Bible says a raven brought him meat and bread. When the brook dries, he goes to Seraphath, and there is a widow there, and he makes a pronunciation. He says, bring me a cake, and as long as you do this, he said, the oil that you have will not run out. The flour you have will not run out until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And supernaturally, they have a continuous miracle. Every day, her oil pours. Every time she puts her hand in that flower, there's more. It's a continuous miracle. Then he prays. Fire falls from heaven, kills the 450 prophets of Baal. Prays again, and it starts to rain. The Spirit of God comes on him, and he outruns the king's chariot from Mount Carmel all the way to Jezreel. It's 18 miles he outruns horses and chariots. And then the queen says, that wicked queen Jezebel, she says, by this time tomorrow, you're going to be dead, just like the prophets of Baal. Listen, the Bible says this, when he saw that, when he saw that, he turned and he ran for his life out and hid in the desert. Now, how many of you know he was having a good day? <laughs> but when his, what he saw changed, he moved in the direction of his dominant thoughts. Right? You are no different and I am no different. You'll move in the direction of your dominant thoughts. The Bible says as a man thinks in their heart, so are you. You never go someplace on the outside that you don't first go on the inside. Say that again. You never go on the outside where you don't first go on the inside. That's why it's so important what you're saying to yourself. How many of you know we all have self-talk? You're talking to yourself. And if you're saying you're such an idiot, you're a loser. You're never going to get free. You're never going to be able, you're, you're never going to get married. You're never going to lose weight. You're, 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 you're never going to own your own house. You're never going to get a promotion. You're never, you're never, you're, you're such an idiot. You're so foolish. Why did this happen? Nothing good ever happens to you. If that's your inside talk, you are in trouble. Plain and simple. Philippians 4. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there are any virtue, if there's any praise, think on these things. We need to see it on the inside. And, and unfortunately, so many of us, we don't see on the inside because we haven't spent time with God to get that vision on the inside. As you spend time in the word of God, the Bible says you will be transformed. You will be changed the way you see yourself, the way you're talking to yourself. I, I just wanted to read something from uh, Oprah Winfrey. She grew up in uh, rural Mississippi, and this is what she writes, at a time when we were called colored people. She says, my grandmother was a maid. That's all she ever knew. It's the only expectation she ever held for me was that one day I too would become a maid. In her words, have some good white folks meaning people who would not speak negatively about me, who would allow me to take food home, who would be good to me and treat me with some level of dignity and respect. That was my grandmother's dream for me. But I had another dream for myself. I had more than a dream for myself. I had a belief for myself. I remember watching her hanging clothes on the line one day, and she said to me, you watch me now, Oprah Gale, because one day you'll have to do this for yourself. Knowing inside myself, 
that that was not going to be my life. I didn't know how I knew it other than that thing that we all have called intuition that said, no, this will not be your life. And because I sensed that and was connected to that, I knew that I will not hang clothes on the line in the backyard in Mississippi. And that belief that I would not, that that would not be my life is what I held on to for the longest of times. I just, no matter what, believed that there was something bigger, greater, and more for me. I believe that about you. There's something bigger, there's something greater, there's something more. But where do we get it? We get it as we spend our time in that mirror of God's word. And we begin to see who God says that we are. In that I'm a loser, I'll never get free, I'll never get out of debt, I'll never own a home, I'm nothing, I can do nothing, I have nothing. That is not who you are. Because if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, message translation, Jesus speaking. You have mine like a snake pit. How do you suppose that you are worth anything when you are so foul-minded? It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives a meaning to your words. Jesus is talking about not just what you say outside, but what you say on the inside. Those words that we're saying, we've, we've got to say the right things. That's why it says in Philemon that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. We need to begin to say who we are in Christ, what belongs to us in Christ. And whether it's a word from the outside or a word from the inside, when it disagrees with what God says about us, we need to rise up and we need to condemn it. In fact, in Isaiah 54, verse 17, it says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue which rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Now, when somebody says something that's not right, they say, hey, it's flu season, you're gonna get the flu? You just say, no, I'm not. In Jesus' name, I'm not. Because by his stripes, I am healed. This is the heritage, the Bible says, of the servants of the Lord. That's your heritage. When that word is spoken against you, again, whether it's inside or outside, you need to condemn it and you need to begin to speak the truth. In fact, so many truths in visions and dreams will never manifest until you begin to speak them out loud. It's one thing to stop saying the wrong thing and it's another thing to start saying the right thing. Let me just close with one more story. Walt Disney went and got his friend, Art, Art Linkletter. How many remember all the old people? I remember. I remember. And said, said to Art, he said, hey, he says, I want to show you what I'm going to do. I have got an incredible opportunity for you to invest. Art Linkletter writes and says, uh, we went and went and went and went down through the orange groves. And finally came to a place where it was going to be. I couldn't believe my eyes because it was so far from downtown Los Angeles. It was so small and the communities in those days were so straggly. And I thought to myself, gosh, to put a bunch of merry-go-rounds out here in the middle of a cow pasture, that's ridiculous. He says, if we walked around the property, 
Walt Disney describes in glowing detail the various lands of his park, the Fantasyland, the Adventureland, the Tomorrowland, and more. And then Disney advised Art Leonard to buy property around the park to sell to developers. He says, you will make a fortune. Art Leonard failed to grasp what Walt's vision was. He said, no thanks. He said, looking back on the decision, he calculated that every step that he took on the property, he would have made $3 million. He said, but he couldn't see it. A few years later, Walt Disney envisioned another even larger Disney theme park. He laid the grounds, groundwork, but died in 66, almost five years before the opening of Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. On the day the new park opened, a visitor commented to Mike Vance, creative director of Walt Disney Studios, isn't it too bad that Walt didn't live to see this? He said, oh, but he did see it. He said, that's why it's here. He did see it. That's why it's here. And I mentioned this last week. When you have the vision and you follow it through, your vision is your future. Your vision is your future. Say, God made fish to swim in an ocean. He made eagles to fly in a sky, but he made you to have relationship with him. And if you don't have relationship with God, you're living life, but you're not living life to its fullest. You're not living life the way you were intended to live life. Your purpose is to have relationship with God. And if you're watching today and you realize I'm not right with God and I don't have that relationship, would you bow your head and pray a prayer right now with me and begin that relationship with God? Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe he rose again. And today I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you that you love me, that you've heard my prayer, that you receive me, that I am forgiven, and I'm a part of your family now, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep growing spiritually. It's full of bullet points that are really going to make a difference in your spiritual walk. And I want to give it to you absolutely free. Now, you can download that book, or you can contact us, and we'll send you a hard copy. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. Plus, it's available on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We are asking you to step out and be bold. If God is working in your life, please send us a video from your cell phone letting us know. Many people are struggling just like you did, and you may never know whose life your story can change. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Also, be sure to download our app where you can listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, find resources, and much more. I pray over your visions today that you will grow strong in your faith and that you will have the desires of your heart. Have a great week.